we've lost the ability to communicate with people and so therefore we just we turtle even more because mm. it's like well if I say hello to this person is this person going to say hello back right right or are they going to become a weirdo it's almost like a know? form of like social anxiety that's developed In a world of store-bought items, and a world that seems to never slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Wool & Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. As the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels, with our knitting needles, or on our looms. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it dropping slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel, brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. And I wonder, like, when they look back, like, you know, what what they'll think about their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then I think sometimes we're too busy, so there's got to be a happy medium. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, is it busy or is it content? Like, Yeah, that's you know what, what I've been struggling with. Totally. Like, are we actually making busy work, or are we actually enjoying what we're doing? Yeah. And I we're just making busy work then you need to examine why you're doing it yeah yeah but if you're actually enjoying it then it's not busy work yeah you well and, and i mean maybe this is what we should explore for january like this idea of like what is contentedness and what is happiness like you know both of us i feel like have been doing a lot of work this past year around like what do we want our lives to look like what do we want our lives to look like going forward what do we want our making to look like because it's all related yeah you know because i don't really have any goals for next year i know you want to quote unquote like become a weaver you know but that's all part of it right it's this like seeking out like what does it mean to to um um not just be a maker but like um you know, what do you want your making to look like? And it's all tied into this idea of contentedness and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I've been thinking about it, not ad nauseum, but I've been thinking about it a lot this this last six months. Like even before my dad got sick, I was thinking about it and trying to figure it out and reading a lot of books and thinking about it, talking to Mike about it. And uh, I don't have any answers. I'm not. I'm not pretending that like I've like got the answers by any stretch. But I think I'm sort of on this like on the path and on the journey of sort of figuring it out. Yeah. I don't think it's something that is like finite. That you just all of a sudden you're there and you figured it out and that's the end. I think if that yeah. happens, I think, I think uh, beware. <laughs> well, because <laughs> you don't really ever arrive. No, you don't. And. Um... <laughs> I laugh because my karate instructor, um, who was like a father figure to me, who passed away uh, 16 years ago, he was of the opinion that if you always had something to learn, that because life was all about learning. And so it's this whole philosophy of like, 
continue, continually thinking and seeking growth where you're like looking for, I don't know, that, that fulfillment of life. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he figured that once you stopped learning and growing, that's when you died. Interesting. And he was always going to make sure he had something to, to learn. <laughs> yeah. Because he wanted to live forever. Obviously, that didn't happen, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's Maybe that's what we should explore for this month, is just sort of talk about the philosophy of, yeah. of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I think we're already doing it. Because, <laughs> so, like... One of one of one of my favorite books that I've ever read is The Blue Zones. It's about the Blue Zones, you know. And for those listening to this who don't know what the Blue Zones are, um, they're these regions around the world that are quite small geographically, and where some of the longest lived people have been documented. So that these are areas of the world that it's not uncommon to come across somebody who's a centarian. So somebody who's lived to a hundred and is over a hundred. Yeah. And They've studied these populations extensively and they've tried to sort of figure out what is it that these people have in terms of their lives. Like what is it that they do and what is it that they have that uh, sort of predisposes them to living longer. And one of the things, and there's there's all sorts of things, I think there's five things that make them, um, that they've sort of, agreed upon or sort of these when they've studied these populations that that these are the things that that all of them have in common and one of the things that they have is this sense of meaning and purpose and this very strong sense of community where you have these multiple generations living together doing life together and living in a very um, community oriented community based way Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I've been really thinking about over this last, um, I think six months ago was sort of when I really started thinking about this stuff very intentionally and spending some time on it every day, sitting and reflecting and thinking about it. Because really, at the end of it all, your material possessions, what you have in the bank, um, the things that we sort of carry with us that are physical or emotional baggage or things that have happened in our past Um, whether that's, you know, trauma or positive things or whatever. Um, We can't take any of that stuff with us. But I think what people will often reflect upon that gave their life the most meaning are the relationships that they had with other people and the deep, meaningful connections that they had with, you know, their children, their spouses, their friends, their family members, et cetera, et cetera. And that seems to be what our society in general is like missing Mm -hmm. you know people are so isolated they are so um in silo from Mm -hmm. one another you know you look around i know you've experienced this as well because we've talked about it extensively like you look around at the school playground at the other moms and they're all on their phones while their kids play it just drives me batty you know Um, and I, that's a value judgment for sure. Um, but I think that part of living together 
is having those interpersonal interactions. You know, there's, there's just not that same um, meaning when we're interacting through a phone. Well, and I think as a society, we have become very, very addicted to our our devices. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, we text instead of call somebody and talk to them. Yeah. Um, you know, there is no... There is no downtime anymore in that you are always reachable with a cell phone. So it used to be that, you know, you'd go out to run your errands and if somebody called while you were out, they left you a message and then you got back to them when it was convenient. Yeah. Now if they call you when you're out, if you still have a home phone, yeah. If they don't reach you on their home phone, they call you on their on your cell phone. Yeah. And if they don't reach you there, then they'll send you a text message. Yeah. If they've actually called you. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, I would say most people just, like, send a text message. Yeah. And so we have lost the ability to have conversations with people. We've lost the ability to connect with people and to um, reach out to people. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see those effects in our kids and the way that, that behaviors are, are changing. Yes, absolutely. Um, the challenges yeah. that teachers are having in the classroom. Yep. Learning, learning difficulties. Yeah. Impulse control. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's so many things that, that play into it where you're just, you know, like I've sat there in, in, I go in every Friday morning to teach the kids how to sew. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had a couple of the boys opt on iPad day to come and sew instead of working on the iPads. Mm. And I was talking to Eric about it last night because on Friday, um, one of the kids that has moved up to the next grade, and so he's no longer in the class, um, because my kids are in Montessori, there's there's um, big splits of the class. Yeah, there's and multiple so, grades in one class, right? Yeah. So... Hey, I'm my youngest is in a one, two, three. Right. And um, she has the same teacher that Ella had for one, two, and three. And I started going every Friday morning with the class when Ella was in grade two. Mm-hmm. And so this is like my fifth year doing this. Mm-hmm. And so some of those kids have had several years of sewing with me on Friday mornings. And so one of the boys I was in on Friday after school because I, I was picking up some of the stuff that I lent um, to the teacher on Friday after I leave because mm-hmm. sometimes she keeps sewing with the kids afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, and he says, I miss sewing. Aww. And I know that this boy has, like, impulse control issues and, you know, that he's super, super active and super, super busy and all of this sort of stuff. Mm. But he could sit there and he could sew with me. And I think he could see the fact that when he, like, I think he felt the calmness. And and I've done a little bit of knitting with them. And one of the boys said to me the other day, when are we going to start knitting them? I want to knit some more. And I just think, okay, so what is it? about this that is like how is this little bit of making like yeah. I'm in there for like an hour and a half to two hours yeah Friday morning and 
like, I mean, the kids will give up tablets to do it. They will give up um, music to do it. Like, they'll just do, and it's just, it's fascinating to me because I'm just, and Eric's like, it's because they recognize the value in being quiet. They say, hey, I feel better when this happens. Yep. And, And they may not be able to verbalize that, but they can feel it. Yeah, yeah. And I think so often we negate what those feelings are for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We feel guilty for taking that time to make, or we feel guilty for, um, quote unquote, doing busy work. Yeah. And and I think if we if we step back and we look at it, if it brings us peace, is it really busy work? If it allows mm-hmm. us to focus our mind and and work through different stresses and all of that sort of stuff, is it really is it really detrimental or is it actually what allows us to accomplish other things in our lives yeah. because we've taken that time to fill ourselves up? Yeah. You know, that whole thing that you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. You have to look after self first. You have to look after self first. Like, I mean, there's a reason that that on airplanes they tell you that you have to put your oxygen mask on before you help yeah. the kid. What a great metaphor for life, eh? Well, yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't, you, you can't will help anyone. <laughs> you will literally pass out from lack of oxygen. Yeah. Before you get to help anyone. Yeah. And so, I think as moms were trained to put everybody else first. Yeah. Everybody else's needs, everybody else's thoughts, everybody else's feelings come before our own. Yeah. And and I think that that is where we run into problems with with um, depression and resentment and you know like yep. the list yep. of of different um, like anxiety and all of those different things that come along in, in terms of mental health issues mm-hmm. come about from that deep-seated dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Now, do you, like, so I've been, you know, reading um, quite a bit recently and listening to podcasts and stuff about sort of this idea of happiness and what happiness really means. And one of the things that keeps coming up again and again and again is like, you know, social media, for example, is a really great tool and it's a really great way to connect with others and to cultivate relationships and to meet people that you probably otherwise would not meet, especially from like a global perspective or an international perspective. And the, I, you know, but the problem and the, the gap is that we don't turn then turn those connections and those relationships into physical, uh, into physical relationships, like into actually meeting face to face Um, And that's been one of the things that um, sort of a shortcoming, I think, of of social media um, for many of us is that, you know, it's not always realistic to turn these interactions that we have into a face to face, um, you know, because of the global community. So, you know, one of the things that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about um, is like, you know, how do we do that? You know, how do we turn some of these interactions? relationships that we have into you know face to face like getting off of you know text messaging and getting off of like Instagram for example and and turning some of this stuff into 
that next step and by extension and sort of almost without intending to um, you create that that meaning and that deep connection and that that fulfillment yeah it's hard it is but I think I think that's what we need as a society absolutely you know we are all so siloed in our own little worlds yeah um, that that we just we we don't I think we sometimes we almost don't even have the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've lost the ability to communicate with people. And so therefore we just we turtle even more because mm. it's like, well, if I say hello to this person, is this person gonna say hello back? Right, right. Or are they gonna become a weirdo? It's almost like a know? form of like social anxiety that's developed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, we're we all we all talk by text, so therefore, you know, we we don't have um, the ability to to start a conversation with somebody who we don't know. Yeah, we we've lost the ability to see ourselves as people. Mm. I don't know. It, it's a very um, interesting way of looking at things, right? And there's been some really deep conversations happening on Instagram this year. Yeah. And and I think that it's reached that point where there needs to be a way to facilitate healing, but also to facilitate having conversations in real life. Yeah. Because I think there is something that gets lost in the translation when everything is written in text. Yeah. And it's easy to misinterpret what someone meant by their comment because of the way that you read it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like a comment like, you look nice today, can sound really pleasant, or you look nice today, and you can be totally sarcastic about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and so you, you can have a conversation with people and and feel what they're feeling and you know not everybody is great at expressing themselves in words yeah and so i think i think that the vital piece of the puzzle that we're missing in resolving some of the hurts and things like that is that people don't have the ability to talk to each other about it yeah i've noticed that um in uh, one of the one of the things that Mike and I talk about all the time is it's like um, in the tech sector, uh, a lot of Patreon uh, podcasts and whatnot that like a lot of podcasts that are using Patreon to to as a revenue source for their podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. One of the milestones is often retreats and face to face, like meeting face to face. And he made a really interesting comment one day because he was like, I wonder, like, and and it was just like one of those like innocent comments where it would have otherwise gone past me if I hadn't have been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, I wonder why that's one of the milestones. And it's usually one of the really high ones, like when they meet, reach kind of critical mass in, um, in the, in their communities that they're creating. And he's like, I wonder why that's sort of one of the things that, that, that 
they're working towards and that people want. And I said, you know, I think it's a lot of it, especially like in the tech sector, is -hmm. these conversations around creativity and making and whether it's, you know, um, um, you know, in, in, in the tech world or if it's in the handmade community or if it's artists or musicians, um, there comes that point where people just want to be in the same room together. Mm-hmm. You know, and that opportunity to do that once or twice a year and come together and to be together, just we crave it. It's like part of our like DNA, you know, um, and you I, you can see that with our children, like, you know, in in their heart of hearts, they want to be with us. They want to be around us. They want they want to have a regular family dinner every night. They want to have that physical connection. Like, I think it's the way we evolved to be. Well, you look at most like primates and they live in social groups. Yes. And big social groups and big social groups. And there are like, I mean, they, it's, they have a community there and there is physical touch there. And, you know, like, I mean, you think about the grooming and all of those sorts of things like, Oh yeah. If you think that we evolved from primates, and that is how their behavior has remained. Yes. Therefore, there must be something to that. Yeah. Yeah. Feeding one another, you know, um, touching and caring. Yeah. Empathy. Like, all of those things. And I think, like, I mean, the cruelty that you see online in terms of, like, people making comments about people that are just totally offside. And, and it's like, would you actually say that to somebody's face? Yeah, I wonder sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, like, leaving comments on... I remember watching a video once on YouTube. And the woman was talking about her weight. And, you know, basically, obviously, she would put up another video at some point And somebody had, had made comments about her weight and how she needed to lose some. Oh. And... And not, the, not the comment helpful. was, and then the comment that she was making was basically like, "Yes, I know I'm fat. You can just not bother leaving a comment." Mm. And I just thought, how oh. horrible! Yeah, that that's the preface that you need to make when you're making a video about fiber arts. It was about spinning silk hankies. And she had, she felt that she had to address it. She felt that she had to address it in this particular video. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. And I look at that and I go. What are we doing as a society where people feel the need to protect themselves before they even put it out there? Yeah. You know, how is it that that this is this is what we've come to? Yeah. And. And it's just it's sad. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. And it's, you know. I, I don't know. It's just I think it's really important that that we make those efforts like uh, <laughs> I'll share this now because people will find out eventually but my family were going to Scotland in May mm-hmm. and one of the first things that I did when I started planning it was reach out to Becca and say hey yeah, <laughs> Scotland, yeah. can we can we meet yes and I'm so excited because we haven't finalize anything at this point or anything like that like I mean our flights are finalized but in terms of but I just like 
as a family, we've been talking about what the important things are for us to do in Scotland. Yeah. And for me, I said, well, my first priority is I want to meet Becca. Yeah. And my family, like, Eric gets it, but my kids are like, why? If you've never met her before, why do you want to meet her? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, we've talked on the on the phone a lot, and and I know her, and and I feel a connection to her, and yeah. so I want to actually like meet her face to face and like give her a hug, like yeah, yeah, oh, do the thing, <laughs> do the thing. Yeah. And I'm not a hugger, like that's, I know you're that's so funny. First, <laughs> that's not the first thing that I look, but like there are some people that it's just like yeah, I just I just want to hug you because yeah. you know, and yeah. so it's. It's those things where it's just like, I don't know. Like, I think it speaks connect. to that deeper sense of connection and that deeper sense of purpose, doesn't it? You know, like it what, what's it all for? Like you've spent the last two years building a handmade business and a passion project and pursuing it and pouring your heart and soul in it. And mm-hmm. as a result, you've had these really, really super meaningful connections with, with people. And yeah. it's like that opportunity to kind of come full circle, you know? Mm-hmm. And to sort of not just say that the work is meaningful and that you, um, because uh, it's not about ego. Um, no. It's 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 finding purpose and meaning and what's it all for. Like when you look back as you're retiring mm-hmm. in a million years, um, <laughs> you know, because like we're gonna live to a thousand. Um, yeah. But jokes aside, like you know, when you look back and sort of ask yourself, like, what was it all for? Like, what was what was what was the purpose of this? You're yeah. not going to say because I wanted to make money, make money, or um, make or um, oh, there, make money. And there was something else I was thinking of as well. Um, I've just lost, I'm just tired. I came off nights. Um, it 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 has to be deeper than that, and it has to be more than that. You know. Yeah. Um, and it, which I think is really what you're speaking to. Like it, it can't just be about the thing. It's not about the thing, you know? No, I, like we've said, like, I think as humans, we seek that connection with other humans and we, and we seek to find people who get us. Yeah. You know, the number of people that, that sort of look at me when I'm standing there at pickup and I've got my knitting and, and I'm knitting away on some project of some sort and, you know, Mm-hmm working on on something new yet again and it's like well the other thing is finished that's why I'm working on something new right yeah and it's just it's five minutes I'm standing there for five minutes yeah that five minutes might mean a couple of rows yeah and that couple of rows means that I'm that much closer to getting that thing done yeah and filling and, your bucket a little bit. And filling my bucket a little bit. It, it's that. And I think we want to see ourselves in other people around us. Yeah. And so when you're constantly being questioned by the masses because they don't quite get it, when you find people who get it yeah. and who understand what it is to decide on a whim that, hey, yeah, I'm going to get a floor loom from my friend and <laughs> <laughs> my living room. Yes. And and start weaving because you've got so much spare time. Yeah. <laughs> but you have friends who get it and they're like, yeah, I totally get it. You well, totally- and they're like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like they're questioning why you wouldn't do that. 
like you you have the opportunity to borrow a floor loom for yes. like an infinite period of time. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Yes. Of course that. It's that deep validation, right? That your values are important, that, that yeah. what you view as important is important, that it's meaningful, um, and and that that what you think about and the things that you think about in the quiet are meaningful and, and do have purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that you can make a living from creating things that other people will enjoy and make into other things. Yeah. You know, and that, that little bit of love that you put into it gets multiplied when they put more love into it. And then it gets multiplied by the person who loves it. And, you know, yeah. And if it eventually ends up in a salvation army or something like that, or a thrift shop of some sort, that somebody else who is a maker is going to find that thing. And then they are going to love it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The little love that started with one person has now all of a sudden become this giant thing of love. And I think think there's meaning there and I think there's purpose there. And I think that sometimes our society really, especially in North America is really looked down upon to sort of pursue your passion and to have, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. what I would call more of like a passion career, um, you know, and to have passion projects that we, that we work on and that we do. And it seems to be, you know, really not particularly valued, um, at this time in our history. And, you know, I think the reality is like a lot of our children are going to end up having careers that are passion careers because so many traditional careers are being automated. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the traditional careers as we know them now, are they're just not going to exist. Um, no. You know, and I, I would, um, you know, I, I, I think we probably live in a time where we could quite possibly see universal income becoming a thing because there's just not going to be work for people um and i you know my brother's making a huge change in his career right now because his very traditional profession is being automated and he can see it happening and our neighbor across the street does the same is is in the same profession as him and he did the same thing five years ago because he could see the writing on the wall that it was becoming increasingly automated and um you know, I, I think um, we're we're at a sort of a critical time in history where technology is is gonna is is going to automate a lot of these traditional roles and these traditional jobs. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like this subset of the population of people who are like, oh, thank goodness, because now I can do what I really want to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, but that growth mindset is certainly not the uh, norm. And as parents, like I even catch myself doing it sometimes, like, you know, when the kids talk about wanting to do whatever traditional role, oh yeah, that would be great, blah, blah. And then later I'm like, but would it be great? Is that going to exist? Like, and, and sort of wondering like, what is, what are some of these, these careers going to look like in, you know, 20, 30 years? Um, because at the rate of change in our world, you know, they're not necessarily going to exist. Um, no. we were talking about it at work the other night because we're, you know, I, I really am finding in critical care, um, in nursing, like it's becoming increasingly technology based. And, uh, one of my coworkers, who's a really good friend of mine, she said to me, she's like, you know, I re- I realized this summer that we don't really look after the patients because the patients are just in the bed we, and we look after the technology that's keeping them alive. 
what we're really doing is we're looking after the families. Like that would be sort of more of a traditional nursing role. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking about it later in her comment and whatnot, because we were talking about it um, um, sort of on an ongoing basis that evening, because there's a group of us in the pod that are all quite senior, very experienced, and um, it was a quiet night. And so they were sort of talking about all this. But it, I think the piece that's missing is it's like, well, if that's the case, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, how is that going to change our job and our role? Because there's a whole bunch of stuff attached to what she said. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, 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 I wonder if our um, traditional role and what, what we were sort of quote unquote trained to do, if that's really going to exist. Yeah. And I think when you're looking for that meaning and that purpose in your life, um, you're looking at some of this a, l- a little bit more critically and a little bit more sort of like, Hmm, I wonder in sort of a, uh, and really taking the time to sort of dissect it, it doesn't mean that there's you need to make any change or that you know the world is ending by any stretch. Um, but just sort of you know being a bit sort of aware that we're probably on the brink of a lot of change. Um, the fact that you've got millennials like in the because I'm a I'm an elder millennial. I'm the year that's the cutoff. And, um, you know, I look at some of my peer group and and some of the people that are like you know five, ten years younger than me. Their entire careers center around social media. Those jobs didn't exist when you and I were going to university and college and stuff. Like that wasn't even in all, on any of our radar. Nope. And now there's an entire generation of people who can like literally buy a motorhome and blog about it and create um, different, you know, like crowdsourced funding, whatever they choose to do, and YouTube and utilizing the monetization um, stuff on YouTube and like, you know, Instagram and create these entire quote unquote careers around how to do that. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing. You know, well, you know, there are people that their entire careers are how to bullet journal. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally, totally, totally baffling to me. Yes. That that's a career. That, yeah. You know. Yeah. They're YouTubers. Like, they're YouTubers. And well, that's, it's that's- so funny because when I tell people that I'm a YouTuber, because for a long time I didn't, I didn't tell people. Um, I, I just sort of, you know, um, it was sort of like my little side hustle and I didn't say too much about it. And now when I say that I'm a YouTuber, because I've, you know, sort of my, um, um, my, so confidence around it all has sort of increased over the last few years as I, as I've sort of, you know, grown and developed and I'll tell people that I'm a YouTuber and they kind of look at me and they're like, that is so cool. Like, it's almost like some of this stuff is sort of almost becoming coveted in our society. Cause it's like, Oh, I could never do that. Yeah. But there's so many people doing it and in so yeah. many different subjects and so many different areas. I mean, you can learn anything. Well, the other day I was, I was making something and I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't remember how to do, particular embroidery stitch mm. so I go on YouTube and I spent probably 20 minutes looking at various different YouTube videos to, to learn some new embroidery stitches yeah like, you know before that would have been a skill that was passed on by your grandparents or yep. you know something else and you know you you learned from a book or you know yeah but back to the connection part yeah because that's how we're learning now we can just go on youtube 
we're not reaching out to people in our community to, nope. you know, help us anymore. Nope. And we're not reaching out and saying, hey, I want to learn how to do this. So can you come over and help me? Yep. And so I think that, that that's where that connection piece gets lost too, is that yep. because there are people that are making their living on on YouTube yeah, and, and online. Yeah. And there's uh, and online and there's this whole community of people out there that like the same things and so you can connect with them online and and um and, and I know for some people that are housebound or, or different things like that, that that is their lifeline to the world outside. Absolutely. And thank goodness in today's world that it exists. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like there are definitely places where where that has a place and a purpose. Yeah. Um but I look at it and I go, you know, that skill would have been something that you would have learned from somebody previously. Yeah, yeah. In a in a in a face to face capacity. Yeah. And I and wonder about how that's going to affect as we move forward. So how that's going to affect people, you know? Like I wonder, you know, will we have communities like ours? where we work toward coming together and and being in the same place at once you know um it's probably not realistic that for everyone um but you know to sort of try to to build that and to try to sort of bring that together um you know i wonder about that because i think for a lot of people they are living in silo like they're living in communities and areas of the world where they don't have access to this stuff and it's hard to stay motivated and do your making and whatnot, even if you absolutely love it when you feel alone, mm-hmm. you know, and derive meaning from it when you're sort of always working through it on your own, you know? Yeah. I wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're sort of thinking about over the course of this year? Um, when uh, when you think about like you know creating meaning like what are the, some of the things that you've been thinking about to create for yourself i know like meeting becca weaving def- connecting with kim yeah yeah those are those are sort of the things that i'm i'm looking at to start with is you know um meeting becca if there's other people that are listening that are that are in that area that want to meet up when when i'm there i'm totally game to yeah. to do that thing yeah. right like yeah. I would love to put faces to some of the names of the people that that have supported us and yeah. um, you know but right now I only know Rebecca being in Glasgow so yeah yeah <laughs> but you know it's it's that it's that seeking being with people yeah and um, it's actively looking for ways to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I am not a super outgoing person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, you know, that part is is always a little bit awkward and and hard for me because that's just not my my nature to seek out meeting people and and, um, being in big groups. That's just not, not my thing. But I think looking for ways to 
to just yeah to just connect with people and to be around people and and to um, seek out ways to find ways to to talk to more people yeah yeah I don't I don't really know how I'm going to, to do it but it, it yeah. will be things like you know yeah. meeting up when I'm in Scotland and you know working a little bit more one-on-one with Kim on some of the weaving stuff that she's got me started on and you know, yeah. us getting just, together regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all yeah. part of it, isn't it? Yeah. It really is because if we don't take that time to to connect with one another in a face to face sort of way, um, it just doesn't happen. No. And you know, because we're doing this big trip with the kids, we'll be taking smaller sort of summer holidays, but. Um, one of the places that we go quite often is Salt Spring Island because Eric has a second cousin over there. And I love going and spending time with her because she's in her early 50s and she retired when she was like, I don't know, in her 40s. She just didn't like working. Oh, bless her. (laughs) And so she's found a way to live very, very frugally. Yeah. And she grows most of her own food and, you know, she's very much an introvert as well. And and so, but she enjoys that connection with people one-on-one. Right. And right. so we end up having really fantastic, fabulous conversations with her in a one-on-one capacity or two-on-one capacity, like Eric and I sitting there after the kids have gone to bed and sitting there and talking to her. And we have great conversations, and and so, like, I know she has said that if we wanted to come over twice this summer, because we're not going to be going far, that we can come over twice, because usually we, like, limit our time there to, like, four days. <laughs> oh, yeah. To be <laughs> respectful of her time, right? To be respectful of her time and space. Yeah. And so we're very, very cautious about how much time we spend when we're over there. She's like, well, if you want to come twice, you're, you're welcome to. She says, I really like having you guys here. Aww. And the fact that, that like, I, I will cook when I'm there. And she's like, the fact that I don't have to cook and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Those are the things that give our life meaning. Absolutely, yeah. Finding ways to connect with people in a way that is authentic. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think um, that's actually a really great place to to finish and to stop because that just kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katrina. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to chat. Um, I know I have to let you go because it's 11 a.m. and you've got stuff that you've got to head out for, I, I think, right? My kids, i got to pick them up early today. Oh, okay. Well, have an <laughs> awesome afternoon. Yes, you too. Yeah, and I'll connect with you later. Okay, bye. Good, bye.